119. We're in part number four of our series, and we are going through looking at the different references to God's Word in Psalm 119. We said there are eight different words, and uh, uh, all of them have a different description or definition of God's Word, of Scripture, and uh, they describe or define the relationship that we ought to have with God's Word, how we ought to look look at it, uh, what it's going to do for us. And uh, so we're in Psalm 119, and uh, look at the section uh, starting with verse number 33. That is the hay section, and of course we said, uh, if your Bible's like mine, it's got the headings at the top of each eight-verse section. Those are the letters of the Hebrew alphabet, and if you were to read the section in Hebrew, every single verse would start with that letter, and so that's what it uh, that's why those are like that. So look at verse number 33. These verses are there in your handout uh, with the blanks being the words referring to God's word for you to fill in. But verse number 33 says, Teach me, O Lord, the way of thy statutes, and I shall keep it unto the end. Give me understanding, and I shall keep thy law. Yea, I shall observe it with my whole heart. Make me to go in the path of thy commandments, for therein do I delight. Incline my heart unto thy testimonies, and not to covetousness. Turn away mine eyes from beholding vanity, and quicken thou me in the way. Establish thy word in thy servant, who is devoted to thy fear. Turn away my reproach, which I fear, for thy judgments are good. Behold, I have longed after thy precepts. Quicken me in thy righteousness. And so we've had three lessons looking through Psalm 119. We've looked at the first three different references or words that are used to describe God's word in Psalm 119. They're found in this passage we just read. The first one we looked at was law. Look at verse 34. It says, give me understanding and I shall keep thy law. And we said that law describes God's word as being uh, what points us to the answers that we're looking for. What, point, what points us to the answers to the problem, the solution to the problem. Just like a teacher points at the board, the chalkboard, the whiteboard, points to the answer that the students are supposed to learn. God's word as the law points us to the answer. It gives us direction. It gives us instruction uh, for what is right, for what is wrong, for what is black, for what is right, and helps us know what we're supposed to do. And we said the second word was testimonies. Look at verse number 36. Incline my heart unto thy testimonies. And we said that the word testimonies means a recounting or a record, uh, similar to uh, a legal term. You're in a courtroom and you're asked to give your testimony of the testimony about the case for which uh, you're appearing, you're supposed to just give your story, you're supposed to recount what happened, you're supposed to give a record of what you saw, of what you experienced, uh, the field in which you're experienced in, and that's why you're there. Uh, it's a recounting, and God's word, his testimonies, is a recounting. It's a record of what God has done. It's a record of what God will do. Uh, it's a record of how he has loved us and the plan that he's had up to this point and the plan that he's got for us continuing forward. God's word is a testimony. And then the one we looked at last week, the third one, is God's word described as the way or ways. Look at verse number 33. It says, teach me, O Lord, the way of thy statutes. And then in verse number 37, turn away mine eyes from beholding vanity and quicken thou me in the way. And we said that that word way means that God's word is the path. It is uh, the map, the course that we're supposed to follow. It is the GPS, uh, not necessarily the actual road that you walk, but if you were to look at a GPS or pull up Google Maps, 
and you are looking for the way, what are you looking for? You're looking for the course. You're looking for the turns that you need to take. You're looking for the exits that you need to take. You're looking uh, for the map, the road, the way to get where you need to go. And God's word is the way. It is the map. It is the GPS. It shows us how and where we, it shows us where we need to go and it shows us how we're going to get there. And uh, then just by way of review, we looked at uh, the past couple of weeks, a few of the words that describe our relationship to God's word. We said that God's word ought to be our delight, something we look forward to, something that we want to take part in. We said we ought to love it. We want to get to know it. We want to have a relationship with it. We said we're supposed to keep it. We're supposed to not just obey it, but to protect it, to guard it, to make sure we don't forget it, to make sure we don't lose hold of it, to make sure something or someone doesn't steal it from us like the devil wants to do. We said last week that we want to love it, uh, to seek it, to study it with our whole heart, all of us, not just part of us, uh, not just a portion, not just make it a part of our life, but making sure that it is the foundation, that that is what we look to, that's what we uh, want uh, to get answers from, and that's what we base our decisions from. And then we finished last week by saying that it's the one thing in life that can quicken us. It can make us alive. It can revive us. When life is long, when life is hard, when we have uh, stressful situations that we're dealing with, if we're looking for a pick-me-up, if we're looking for a thing to give us new life, new energy, uh, it's not going to be whatever your favorite energy drink is. It's not Mountain Dew. It's not Bang. It's not that new one rain that just came out. Uh, it's the Word of God that's going to give us the energy, the life that we need. And uh, just this week, it seems like the last couple of weeks I've been studying and give the lesson and then the next day I find a verse when that would have been great to, to, to have that and, and uh, just this past week uh, was reading in 2 Corinthians and saw in chapter 4 verse 16 says for this cause we faint not but though our outward man perish and you know those of you that just finished college and maybe you're working at the same time or you just finished high school uh, the outward man can perish or at least it feels like it's going to perish uh, and, and it, you can feel tired, and you can feel worn out, and you feel drained, and you feel like you've got nothing left, but the rest of that verse says the inward man, our spirit, um, our emotions, our mental strength can be renewed day by day, and that's what the Word of God is for. It renews us. It quickens us. It makes us alive. And so, now we're at the fourth word that we want to look at that describes God's Word, and that is the word precepts. The word precepts, look back in the passage that we just read a few minutes ago, and look at verse number 40. It says, Behold, I have longed after thy precepts, thy precepts. Now, what does the word precepts mean as it refers to the word of God? Well, it comes from the Hebrew word pikud, pikud and it means a mandate from God, a mandate from God. And uh, it, it comes from another word that means to visit, to oversee, to muster, to charge, to care for. And then I was looking up the definition in Webster's, and sometimes if you read the definition in an old Webster's dictionary, like 1828, you can get a pretty close um, idea of what, when the English translators translated the Bible from the original Hebrew, the original Greek, you can find the word definition that fits uh, what they were looking for. And so the word uh, precepts in Webster's means, and this is the rest of that statement there in your handout, 
any commandment or order intended as a rule of action. Any commandment or order intended as a rule of action. The first time we see the word precepts in Psalm 119 is in verse number four, and that's there in your handout. It says, Thou hast commanded us to keep thy precepts diligently. The word precepts is used 21 times in Psalm 119, and this is interesting because it's only used eight other times in the entire Bible. And so the majority of times that we find the word precept or precepts in the Bible is in Psalm 119. Eight different times we find it with that word keep or kept to protect it, to guard it, to hold on to it. Uh, in verse 87 and verse 141, we said we, the Bible says we don't want to forget them. And then in verse 159, it says we want to love them. And so God's word described as precept. What does that mean for us? How should we look at God's word when he refers to it as precepts. Well, I believe that it means that God's word is the mission that God has given to us. It's the duty that he's given to us to fulfill. It's the assignment from God. God, our commander-in-chief, our general, um, our, our, our supreme ruler has given us a mission, uh, has given us a duty to fulfill, has given us a purpose to accomplish in this life. And when we think of it that way, we have to understand that it's not given as optional. It's not given to be questioned. It's not given to be picked over and through for what fits and suits us. Because I think way too often when we look at the Bible and we start just kind of thumbing through it to find what we like. And there are some verses that we certainly can find that are good verses. And we post those on Instagram and we post those on Facebook, and they're on our social media walls, and uh, they're on our walls at home. And those are great verses, and, and I'm not discounting those. We can find encouragement from them. Those are the verses that quicken us. Those are the verses, those are the passages of Scripture that give us new life. But there are other parts of Scripture, they're a little hard. I'll be honest, they're, they're a little hard to read. They're a little hard to receive. I don't like them quite as much. I don't, want to, I don't want to believe that they're for me, but they're still a part of the precepts, the mission, the, the duty of Christians that God has given for us to accomplish, uh, to be a part of. Uh, let me say this. The only option for God's word is obedience. The only option for God's word is obedience. That's it. There is not, you know, there, there is not if I feel like it. There's, you, won't, you won't find any asterisk in God's word. You realize that? By command, by the great commission, by the purpose that God has for each of us, there are no optional commands. Well, if you don't want to do this, you can do this instead. You know, if you don't want to do this, here's something easier. Uh, if you don't want to be a part of this, here's something easier here. There is no other option but obedience in God's word. The only option is full surrender. It is complete, if you will, this is a word, complete fellowship. We have to follow it completely. We have, to, we have to obey it. We have to accept it. We have to receive it. It may be hard to. We may not completely understand it. We're going to get to that in just a second. Uh, we may not like it. We may not want it. But in our minds, in our hearts, that whole heart mentality, we have to decide to obey it. Uh, you know, it's easy to look at parts of God's word, like thou shalt not kill, most of the time, and want to obey those, all right? 
It, those are the easy ones. It's a whole lot harder to follow love your enemies. It's easy to follow, for the most part, it's easy to follow commands like thou shalt not commit adultery. But it's hard sometimes to follow thou shalt not lust with thy eyes. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife. It, it's hard. And we have to understand that although some of the word of God is easy, we want to receive it, we want to accept it. So many uh, wonderful uh, verses that are in the book of Psalms. So many wonderful verses that give us encouragement and strength and, and uh, that quickening spirit, that inward man renewing day by day, that we just, we enjoy reading the word of God. But when we come to those harder ones, a little bit harder to receive. But our, our attitude our, our decision still must be the same. It must be obedience. Listen, if God delivered to you his perfect will for you, exactly what he wanted you to do, how he wanted you to live, what, he, what, he, what his purpose, what his mission for you, what his, uh, what his dream will was for you, his, the perfect will of God that we read about in Romans 12. If God were to deliver that to you this morning, by a golden scroll. And doves came down from heaven. You heard harp music. And there was a ray of sunrise that shone over the hills, somewhere in Alabama, and came down upon you, and God delivered his will for you that way. I think for the most part, we would probably wonder, that was some bad pizza I ate last night. But... We would probably, you know, if we believe that this came from God, then what would we do? We'd take it, we'd read it, we would follow it, we would obey it. If we truly believed it came from God. Listen, God has given you a, the Bible says in, in 2 Peter, a more sure word of prophecy. In fact, go with me to 2 Peter chapter number 1. Because the apostle Peter part of that inner core of disciples that went with Jesus everywhere. You know, the disciples followed Jesus everywhere, but then there was that inner core, Peter, James, and John, that only got, to, they got to experience a couple things that the other guys didn't. They got to experience Jairus' daughter being raised from the dead. Um, and then this uh, recounting here in 2 Peter is of the Mount of Transfiguration. That was the only, they were the only ones that were up there with Jesus. And look what Peter says, verse number 17. For he received from God, talking about Jesus, the Father, honor and glory, when there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And this voice which came from heaven we heard when we were with him in the holy mount. So Peter says, when we were on the Mount of Transfiguration, we saw Jesus in his glorified body. We heard with our own ears the voice of God saying, this is my beloved son. We heard it. We saw it. Look what he says in verse number 19. We have also a more sure word of prophecy. Whereunto ye do well that ye take heed, as unto a light that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation, for the prophecy came not in old time by the will of men, but by holy, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Peter says, 
as wonderful and as great as it was to see Jesus' glorified body and to hear the voice of God, this is more sure. What we have that we can read, that we can take with us, that we can keep, protect, guard, uh, keep in our hearts, hold in our hearts, hide in our hearts, Peter says this is more sure. And so for you and I, as we look at the word of God and we're looking for answers and we're looking for God, what God wants us to do and we're looking for the direction that he has for us in life, this is the answer right here. This is the mission. This is uh, the, the duty. Uh, as a soldier getting a special assignment from his commanding officer, this is what God has given to you. This book right here. This is the mission It's the will, it's the purpose, it's the plan for each of us here. All of it is found in this book. It's the law. It points to the answers we're looking for. It's the testimony. It shows us that God has, that he is, and that he always will have a plan for us. It's the way that gives us the direction to walk, the path to take in order to reach the destination that he has for us that we're seeking. See, here's the thing. And this is... This is probably, this is the case for anybody, but especially for our generation, this generation, all right? Those of you that are, whether it's some, some that are still in high school, but almost to enter, or almost to enter college, almost to graduate, those of you that just graduated and you're about to enter college, or those of you that have been going through your college years and the few years after. This is the time where we start wondering what in the world is life all about? What am I going to do? What, is, what direction am I going to go in? Uh, where am I going to head? Obviously, who am I going to marry? Those questions about our purpose, about what God's plan is, that is what we're looking for. And I think that for most of us, and I say us, I just mean us in general, our generation, especially Christian people from this generation, I think that we don't find the answers because we're not looking in the right places. We don't find the answers because we're not looking in the right places. And here's the thing. Let me say. We expect to find the answers to what we're looking for all around us. In our minds, logically, where we're looking is where we're supposed to find the answers. You know, we're looking in college classes to find what we're going to do for the rest of our life. Looking for interests. Looking for... uh, just what's next? What do I like to do? What do I enjoy to do? What do I enjoy? What fulfills me? We're looking in college classes. We're looking on help wanted and job sites. What's going to happen next? I'm looking for the answers. Uh, we're looking uh, on online dating sites, looking for the answers. We're looking on social media, looking for answers. What's next? And I'm not saying necessarily that any of those things are bad in and of themselves, because God can use that. But if that's where we're looking first, thinking we're going to find the answers to our questions, we are not going to find the answers there. We're going to find it when we start right here. Does the Bible say, Psalm 119, verse 105, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. It's what illuminates It's what allows us to know what the next step is. Uh, God's word must become the focus for our minds, for our hearts. It must be what we serve, what we love, for our futures, the plans, the goals, the desires that we have. Now, you may ask, 
I study God's word, will it tell me who I'm supposed to marry? Well, I find a verse that said, you know, exactly who I'm supposed to marry. Uh, will I find a verse that tells me where I'm supposed to live? Will I find a verse that tells me what I'm supposed to do after college? Will I find a verse that tells me what I'm supposed to study while I'm at college? Can I tell you the answer is yes? The answer is yes. You'll find it. You may not maybe directly find it in black and white, but you'll find the answers. You'll find the answers as we focus and pursue and, and make the word of God our desire. It will unlock the working of God in your life as you seek him. You know, we, we have grown so accustomed to it that we forget what Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean on unto thine own understanding. When we look for answers in all those other places, when we look for answers from our own experiences, when we look for answers in what we think, in the places we think we're going to find them, we're leaning to our own understanding. But he says, in all thy ways, acknowledge. Acknowledge him. Know him. Seek him. Pursue him. Desire him. Want him. And he shall direct thy path. So as we pursue God and his word, the answers will come to us. But here's the thing. This is what I want to finish with. The reason why many of us don't follow the Bible fully is that we don't understand it. We know we're supposed to. We even want to. But when we go to the Word of God and we try to be consistent in reading it, we don't get anywhere with it. And it's not necessarily the English of it. We just don't understand. We don't have the understanding, maybe the spiritual maturity is a better word for it, to know the Bible. And that needs to be our heart. That needs to be our prayer, to want to understand. What does the Bible say in Psalm 119, verse number 18? In fact, go back there with me. We're going to spend the rest of our time in Psalm 119. Look at verse number 18, familiar verse to us. But this ought to be our desire. It's a prayer. It's a request. Verse number 18, open thou mine eyes that I may behold wondrous things. Remember we said wondrous or wonderful means it's always fresh and new. We can always find something new, something to renew the inward man day by day. Open thou mine eyes and I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. See, when it comes to the word of God, there are three words that are pretty close to each other as far as their definition and the meaning, but they mean something a little bit different. So I want to make sure that we, we understand what they each mean. The Bible uses the word wisdom a lot. We've all heard that. We all know wisdom. The Bible uses the word knowledge, and the Bible also uses the word understanding. Similar words, but they all have different meanings and, and, and affect us in different ways. Knowledge is just knowing. Literally, it's knowing. It's the facts. It's knowing the truth. Uh, it's the foundation. It's where we have to start. And many of us have the knowledge of the Word of God. We've been in Sunday school. We've been in church. We've been in Christian school. You know, we're, we're in maybe a Christian college. We've got the, the truth. We have the knowledge of the Word of God. Now, wisdom is something we've heard all of our life that we know we need to have. Wisdom to make decisions. Wisdom uh, to, to you know, figure out what we're going to do. We know we need wisdom. We know Proverbs, the book of wisdom. 
We've heard that preached. We've heard it taught. Wisdom is applying what we know. It's the application of it. It's the carrying out of the mission that we're talking about here. And so we need wisdom in order to be able to do that. But understanding, this is a word we don't talk about a whole lot. Understanding is the spiritual maturity to see how it all fits together. Understanding is what we need, knowledge if you will, but to be able to see the perception that we need to see how everything comes together. Uh, The definition of understanding in the Bible, that Hebrew word, and this is there in your handout, is to mentally distinguish or separate. To mentally distinguish or separate. It's being able to, when you see a blur of facts, a blur of knowledge, to be able to separate it, to see it clearly, to get it in focus, be able to look at the Word of God, read a passage, and say, I can see it now. I can understand it now. Uh, Being able to read the Word of God and find the, the important truths, being able to separate Truths that maybe necessarily don't apply to us right now. Being able to see what we need. The pillar truths. We talked about those top button truths. Those things you got to get right first. Uh, Being able uh, to know how it all fits together. The themes. The emphasis of passages. Being able to understand how verses and, and other parts of scripture fit together. It's understanding. Listen. We can have all the knowledge in the world about the Word of God. And we should know. We'll see that here in just a second. We need to know. We need to know the facts. We need to know the truth. But without understanding, it will never produce any action. If you don't see, if you don't have understanding when it comes to the Word of God, you may know it, but you'll never be able to see how it connects with how you need to apply it. And we need understanding. Uh, We pray uh, for God for wisdom, and we should. You know, the Bible says in James that we're supposed to pray for wisdom. But we forget that we need understanding too. In fact, look there in your handout. We see Proverbs 4, verse number 7. Tells us that wisdom is the principal thing. And we know that. Okay, we need wisdom. We've been told that for all of our years. Every time we go to Proverbs, oh, we're here to get wisdom. And that's important, and it's true. But we forget the end of that verse says, with all thy getting, get understanding. I'm not discounting wisdom. I'm adding to it understanding. We need understanding. We need to be able to connect the word of God. Um, For us to have the wisdom that we need for life, again, as we said in James, we know it will come from God, but it will come from his word. He'll give it to us. He's not just going to, you know, blow spoofle dust on us that we're going to have wisdom. The wisdom of God will come as we read and study his word, but the understanding will also come as we ask him for it. Uh, Verse number, uh, well, Psalm 119 uses this understanding several different times. We won't read it, but, uh, but verse 27 says, make me to understand. Verse 34, verse 73, verse 125, verse 144, and verse 169 all say, give me understanding. It's a request. God, I need understanding. I need understanding when it comes to your word. This is where your interaction with God's word enters into the realm of being a relationship. When you ask for understanding and God gives it to you, 
Now God's word is more than just a textbook that you're studying for facts. Now it's something that you're interacting with. Now it's something that you see how it applies to your life. Now it's something that it is that mission, the precepts of God that we need to fulfill. Um, we, we, need to, we need understanding, not just so we can read it, to read it, not just to study it so that we can say we did, not just to have it because we know we should, but understanding it so we can apply it in our lives. See, asking for and looking for and reading for and studying for and seeking out, digging through and pursuing the understanding that we need to make this more than just words on a page. That's the relationship we need with God's word. And uh, so we're going to go ahead and stop there because we need understanding. So let me encourage you. You read God's word as you read the book of Psalms and specifically Psalm 119. Ask God. I didn't have time to get into everything that, that I wanted to get into, but ask God to give you understanding. Give me understanding, God. Let it not just be facts. Let it not just be words on a page that I'm reading, but give me understanding so that I can know your word.